everybody, and welcome to another episode of All the WrestleManias. I'm your co-host, Tim Hackman. And I'm Rich Sigwald. <laughs> Rich is trying out his new podcaster voice. We hope you like it. Uh, we're excited, as always, to be back in the studio with you. We hope you enjoyed our recent episodes. We did uh, WrestleMania 25 with Dr. Jess. She was dropping some uh, academic knowledge on us on that one. That was a really good one. For Thanksgiving, we did the Montreal Screwjob Survivor Series from 1997. Uh, this is our next-to-last episode for 2022, our very last one we hope will be a year in review. We're going to try to look back at some of the shows that we watched and live and in person and also on tape and uh, you know revisit some of our favorite matches and performers and, and that sort of thing. So we're excited about that. It is um, not a clip show. It's not, not a, a clip, clip show. show. It's going to be all new content just That's for you. It's way too hard. It's way too hard to go back and make a clip show. So Just for you, for the fans. So we'll, we'll tell some of the same jokes. Um, you know, we're, we're not that creative. We're going to have to recycle some material, I think. So, but um, how was your, uh, did you have a good Thanksgiving? I actually did. I had a very relaxing Thanksgiving, surprisingly, considering mm. the circumstances and all. Uh, my phone broke on Thanksgiving Day. It went Ooh. black while I was sitting there playing a little game and uh, it wouldn't turn back on. And then uh, my wife cracked the screen on it, trying to get it turned back <laughs> on. So that was, that's the end of the phone. Uh, I am currently waiting for a phone to come and, uh, being phoneless has been kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, uh, no one can get a hold of me. It's fine with me. Leave me alone. It's great. <laughs> Your wife doesn't know her own strength. Apparently it's just no. snap, snap that bad boy in half. Yeah. How about yours? How was um, your Thanksgiving? <laughs> my wife also doesn't know her own strength no no um yeah, it was good pretty good thanksgiving we just made dinner for the two of us here at home the last time i was sans phone like that was uh when i went kayaking up in the finger lakes and my uh, kayak turned over and i got out of the water just fine but the phone that had been in my pocket did not um so, yeah the uh, fish from uh, lake seneca have been calling me nonstop ever since it's been a couple years <laughs> they're but, wanting you to extend your car warranty <laughs> They're like, what's your next Netflix password, man? So anyway, what? Uh, so we're this episode, we thought we would talk about a uh, war games match because, you know, WWE Survivor Series this weekend, uh, which I caught the replay of today. Actually, it aired on Saturday, the 26th. Uh, it was a war games episode, a war games special. They had men's and women's war games matches instead of the usual Survivor Series format. So we thought it might be fun to look back at a a historic war games match maybe. And the one that we picked was a WCW wrestle war 91 from way back on February 24th, 1991 from the Arizona veterans Memorial Coliseum, in Phoenix, Arizona. Attendance was about 6,800 tagline on this one was we want you. I assume it's because it's a veterans Memorial and war games. And I don't know, they're trying to get us to enlist, I guess. I'm not sure. Is this golf war 91? Hmm. Desert Maybe. Shield. Pretty close, yeah. Who knows? Yeah, I think they make a couple references to it, don't they? Yeah. So that's the yeah. You know, you can't go wrong with uh appealing to America's uh, jingoism. But it was uh yeah, this is a it's an interesting one. And it's we were just talking before we went on the air that uh, nineteen ninety one is a pretty uh happen in time in pro wrestling. And I know we've talked about some other shows from ninety one, the WrestleMania seven you mentioned, 
and the Battle Royal at Royal Albert Hall. If you haven't heard those episodes, you might want to go back. But what anything else going on in 91 around the time of the show that you wanted to bring up? Yeah, so, I mean, it's interesting that we just uh, talked about the a little bit with the initial Gulf War uh, is occurring at this time. And, you know, WCW's is making light homage to it, you know, but, like, can't stay in focus while WWF went full committal, uh, made Sergeant Slaughter heel and Iraqi, and uh, which, and then put the title on him, and he's probably one of the most hated heels of all time. And like all of that actually sets in motion along with some stuff on this show that sets stuff in motion that ends up with Ric Flair in WWF this year and the title getting thrown on him eventually at the, just at the change of the year in 92. Um, Yeah, it's, this is a, it's a chaotic year of wrestling. This is the end of the original run of the four horsemen. And can see where WWF is going in 91, where they got uh, heavy gimmicks, comic book style storytelling, uh, as opposed to this show where it's just, this is wrestling. It's everybody working under their, well, assumed names still, but nothing like Irwin R. Scheister or Hulk Hogan, like they're, you know, Bobby Eaton. <laughs> They're yeah. just, they're, they're like, just every everyday Joes, you know. Yeah, they actually they're names that sound like names that actual people would have, right? And they're they're, it's not flashy, it's nothing insane like fireballs being thrown in someone's face or, um, yeah, or any of the other crazy stuff like Sergeant Slaughter like declaring himself Iraqi and becoming a general in the Iraqi army or anything like that, partnering with the iron Sheik, Like none of that over the top stuff is happening in the show. This is just like, I'm angry at you. You're angry at me. We're going to wrestle. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's much more of the side of personal grievance kind of thing. Right. Um, I don't um, like the way you talked about my mama. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's, it's really, uh, this, the, 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 a pivotal year in professional wrestling here. Cause I mean, we have, you know, as I mentioned, the Ric Flair affair, we have like some other rumblings in WWF is happening. Like Bret Hart wins a King of the ring tournament. That isn't a pay-per-view yet. Um, I guess it was like a, a pilot run. I know the, the paper first pay-per-view of the King of the ring was actually like the ninth King of the ring tournament WWF had held or something like that. Um, yeah, you know, we have the rise of Lex Luger happening in this year in WCW. They put the belt on him and some more familiar names start sticking out too. like um, uh, Bam Bam Bigelow is showing up in some of the other uh, territories that still exist at this point. Um, Mil Mascaras is, is, is on the rise in Mexico and stuff. So like, and funny that, one of the big matches of that year was Mil Mascaras, Dos Caras, and El Canek versus the Hawaiian Beasts, mm. a.k.a. the Samoan SWAT team, a.k.a. the Head Shrinkers, uh, Samu and Fatu. So, uh, a.k.a. Rikishi. If you if you just keep following the line, you get to... <laughs> so, it's... There's, stuff is happening all around the world. The Legion of Doom and, and are fighting Hulk Hogan and Jinichiro Tenryu in Japan. Everything is everywhere. It's a huge year for professional wrestling. 
Yeah, for sure. And it's a, sort of a transitional moment too. You know, we were sort of leaving the the cartoons of the eighties and uh, moving on to a, a new era in the nineties. We're not, you know, obviously not to the raw area yet. It's still just, it's drawing money like crazy. And some of these personalities are, are popping. Um, so it's a, it's a good time to watch for sure. This is actually the third wrestle war episode. Um, we did a, a podcast episode on the first one from 1989, which was a pretty good one. And, um, they only had one more wrestle war after this one before that sort of particular, uh, brand was, was discontinued by w- WCW. So Are you saying we need to change our name to all the wrestle wars, all the wrestle wars. We've only got two more to go and we'll <laughs> check them all off. That seems a little more doable now. Yeah. Think about it you know? feels a lot more obtainable than all the WrestleManias. Yeah. We've got uh, some spectacular commentary on this one, courtesy of Dusty Rhodes oh and good God. old JR Jim Ross. <laughs> Dusty's having the time of his life. He's just <laughs> floating gems left and right. And uh, Tony Schiavone is around for interviews, and um, he's he's having a good time as well. So this is a, it's an action-packed one. It's a star-studded affair. Um, I'm and ready to jump into it if you are. Yeah, if anything I'm, else? This show was poorly attended. Uh, the camera does not do a good job of hiding how little <laughs> the crowd is for this show. It is not good. Uh, <laughs> basically, once you get out of range of the hard cam showing shooting the two rings, it's like empty seats and they didn't tarp them over or anything like that like they do in modern day. You can just see wide open arena seats. I, I, I would guess that the attendance to this show... Wow. Uh, the Wikipedia says 6,800. That feels really high. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> maybe including some notions. Um, I don't think of, um, Phoenix as a big wrestling town. I don't know. I may, I may be wrong about that. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's not like one of those names that you hear come up from the territories, you know, it's no like Charlotte or Raleigh or, um, in Greensboro, right. Or Memphis or anything like that. Like you don't hear, Phoenix, this doesn't resonate even like as much as like the Dallas and Houston uh, territories with WCCW and stuff like that. Like, I don't know. It's yeah. it's weird that like they, they, I guess they saw WWF really trying to stretch coast to coast. So they pushed it as well, you know, and uh, I know that they, they really wanted to fight WWF all the way before even uh, Eric Bischoff got in there and stuff, but. Phoenix was not a good choice. <laughs> Thought they'd look west. It didn't didn't quite turn out that well. So there's um there's actually a dark match that we don't see on the pay per view. It's Eddie Guerrero and Ultraman versus Huichol. I don't know how you say the name. H U I C H O L and Rudy Boy. Um, so Eddie Guerrero must have been just a teeny tiny baby here. He he and Ultraman win that particular match. So that's a, I'd be very curious to see that. I, I doubt it's out there anywhere, but you never know. Maybe it's on one of those tapes that people like to trade around. And then we get to the main uh, the main card, and we just jump right in. We do have a sort of gimmicky um, tag team match to start. It's the State Patrol, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is Lieutenant James Earl Wright and Sergeant Buddy Lee. Neither of those are their names. Neither of those guys are actually state police. And they are with Big Cat, whose real name is Curtis Hughes. And they are up against Ricky Morton, Wildfire, Tommy Rich, and the Junkyard Dog. This is the WCW World Six-Man Tag Team Championship match. Uh, it's a pretty good start to the show. Yeah, and I, like I was, I was taken off guard by a six-man championship, and then also to see Ricky Morton without uh, Robert Gibson with him too. That was 
a little little prize. I mean, he still has the exact same style to where he just gets the crap beat out of him for for <laughs> a while, does. and then a hot tag. Uh, so the formula is still there, and it was this is this is kind of late junkyard dog too, and he's he's looking late. Yeah, it's not. Um, he's not looking so good. He looks like a barrel in tights. No, he's, uh, he's very very large. Um, uh, Big cat is a slab of meat too. That guy's gigantic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was, um, well, that's also Mr. Hughes, right? He, he shows Mr. up in Hughes, WWF in, in early raw days of 93, uh, just being big, mean and tough, badass guy. Um, so and he, and he is that in this match, but, um, Ricky Morton, Tommy Rich and Junkyard Dog just keep the belts and they beat the guy that, uh, makes you think of the murder of Martin Luther King Jr. Um, <laughs> you can't put the name James Earl, Earl together. <laughs> you just can't. Yeah. And that's intentional. It has to be intentional to you make him a cop and like yeah. name him James Earl. Like, uh, I don't know. It it's feels... a big, big boss man before the big boss man. So, yeah, yeah there's some classic uh, JYD spots here. He does the falling headbutt, of course, and he does the, the no sell and the Hulk up. And uh, he he pulls the big thump on uh, one of the other guys. That's just basically just a power slam. Um, Ricky Morton takes. It's it's interesting. It's like a classic JYD match and a classic Rock and Roll Express match kind of thrown together. Like Ricky Morton just gets his ass beat for a good long yeah. time, and then like you said, he gets that hot tag to JYD who comes in and cleans house, hits the power slam. Ricky ends up getting the pin in the on one of the stadies, I believe. Yeah. Um, that, that, that thump slam is, is pretty badass looking. I, I don't know what it is. It's just something I don't know if it's the angle that he puts them down at, that it just it this looks harsh and it looks good. And I I didn't think that Ricky was legal was the legal man at the time of the finish of this match. He just kind of jumped in. I don't know he, actually what he was going snuck on. Snuck back in, crawled on top of the cop and and got the pin to win. And uh, we'll, don't think we'll about take it. it. Don't think about it too much. And then uh, uh, there was a, a couple golden moments here from Dusty that has to be acknowledged. That uh, you have Dusty saying the junkyard dog be dealing, um, <laughs> and then he talks about uh, how JYD uh, told him he knows a few holds, how to hold his head and hold his toes. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Can you imagine the conversation between Junkyard Dog and Dusty Rhodes? Would oh anybody God. know what was being said either on either side? You would have but, no idea what the hell is happening, but you're yeah. going to love it. That's that's a promise. And uh, in traditional Jim Ross style, we are getting the football playing history of every single person in this yeah. match. <laughs> yeah, I kind of this one kind of left me wanting to see miss, more of Mister Hughes, honestly, because that guy's a yeah. unit. So. Well, keep keep pushing your way through the 1993 Monday Night Rawls, and you'll see him. All right. Yeah, I should get back into it. Second match on the card is uh, Beautiful Bobby Eaton versus Brad Armstrong. Brad is the son of Bullet Bob Armstrong, who we've seen at uh, one or two of the specials that we watched. He's also yeah. the brother to Steve, Scott, and Brian Armstrong. I just learned this this just a couple of weeks ago. Brian Armstrong is a.k.a. Brian James, a.k.a. The Road Dog. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's also a son of, of bullet Bob Armstrong. I didn't know. And, that. um, he's also the brother of one of the members of the young pistols who we see later on right. the night too. Uh, was that Steve or Scott? Uh, uh, I think it's Steve. Hold on. Yep. Steve. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's a complicated genealogy for the Armstrong family. Well, you so. know, people, we love doing genealogies on this fan on this show. <laughs> so we're in. We're all in. Yeah. Um, so. so these guys, these guys both look great. Um, Brad has a, a rare haircut, the uh, the curly mullet. Uh, it's like a permed <laughs> mullet. It's it's beautiful. Um, I like that Bobby Eaton is built from the dark side. Yeah, I don't um, understand that at all, but okay. He's not like a he's not like a weirdo character, you know. Like he's no. not like uh, you know, like an islander or like a, you know what I mean. Like a part of the known. Undertaker. Yeah, he's not. The, <laughs> there's literally a guy that is pretending to be dead in the competition. Yeah, that is from the dark side, and then Bobby Eaton, beautiful Bobby Eaton, is going to roll down to the ring the from dark side. the dark side. So when he comes down, it was there. Is that a real Bobby chant from the crowd, or is that on the PA? Because it. It kind of, it's it, on the PA. It's yeah, in the music. Yeah, I kind of thought his so. Music. Yeah, and yeah, it's great. Little, I loved it so much. <laughs> yeah, and I mean the crowd was hyped for him, but they were not chanting Bobby Eaton that loudly unless yeah. they literally like hid microphones under everybody's seat. <laughs> yeah, sort of shades of uh, Monday Night Raw with them sweetening the audio, you know. Yeah. So the, the John Cena. Yeah. <laughs> the John Cena cheers like that's not real <laughs> so these guys work their asses off like i oh didn't God. i didn't expect a whole lot from this match but oh my god these guys really they go at it it's a good match there's a lot of dramatic tension uh, there's a lot of just really cool moves and like not not just showing off spot monkey stuff but like you know yeah. actually kind of building the fight and um just back and forth i i really really enjoyed this one this is this is the type of match that they should show every person on the first day of wrestling school yeah (laughs) and then they should also make the entire roster of aew sit down and watch this match with william regal screaming at them like this is what you do this is how you do it watch them you know watch bobby eaton and like this match makes you understand why like people like Stone Cold Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels and Jim Cornette and like Ricky Morton and everybody else in this in the wrestling world like name drop Bobby Eaton nonstop. He does some incredible stuff in this match without looking flashy, without looking showy or very like standoutish, but like him and Brad do some crazy stuff. Like Brad and Bobby are in a um test of strength and Brad vertical jumps onto Bobby's shoulders out of the test of strength jumps over him and then climbs the ropes for a cross body then locks the back in locks back his arm into an arm bar like yeah it's nuts what it's nuts. <laughs> what it's another one where Bobby like uh he's he's trying like the suplex where you bounce the person off the top rope yeah. but he doesn't really bounce and Armstrong sort of reverses it into a suplex of his own um that was that was incredible there's another uh one of those like slingshot maneuvers that Bobby does get and he turns it into a a backbreaker it's freaking amazing yeah there's just some some great stuff and like Bobby is working a little dirty, so there's a real nasty sucker punch when he when they break in the corner on that Bobby lands on on uh, Brad, and then there's uh, some really good vocals from Bobby Eaton as well when he's in the arm bar screaming, yeah. kind of like <laughs> Ric Flair. Oh God! Oh God! Shit! Oh God! Like when he's in the arm bar and stuff, um, really selling it, really putting Brad over. 
it this is this is a textbook match uh it's not it's it's i'm not going to quite go as far as like it's a show stealer like a macho man rant, uh ricky steamboat kind of thing but this is definitely one to queue up and not the fast forward over if you're trying to get to the huge cage match at the end don't skip this one cuz you're going to miss some great stuff like Jason Hervey from the wonder years sitting <laughs> ringside. Yeah. That's the older brother Wayne from the wonder years. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. Also, if you fast forward, you're going to miss some really, again, gold dusty commentary on this one. He's uh they have, um, one of them has the other guy in like a, an abdominal stretch and dusty says, that'll make you feel like you've been out all day working on the plumbing and crawling all under the house. Yeah. And also, Dusty says that whenever I see that old glory, my heart starts a beating. <laughs> so Armstrong makes a little comeback, and then Bobby gets a, just, a, just a beauty of a neck breaker. Uh, and then the Alabama jam, which is basically a leg drop off the top rope. I don't know how that move doesn't just like snap <laughs> oh, off his coccyx and God. drive it up into his lower colon. But hey, yeah. good for him. Yeah, I don't know how like your spine stays in alignment after that. I. Whew. Um, yeah, that it's a, it's a great finish. It's a great match and definitely one to watch and one to like, if you ever want to go to wrestling school, watch this match first. Um, yeah. <laughs> you're going to learn something. Yeah. And then, um, so we see, uh, Jason Hervey, also the great Muta's in the crowd. Yeah. They're talking, they're talking up, uh, his upcoming match with sting in Japan. And Dusty's like, am I going over there with you to, to Ross? And, uh, so I get a little sushi and some sake, baby. And JR says, I'm from Oklahoma. We don't eat much sushi. We call that bait. <laughs> it's such a great exchange. They're so good together. I like the idea that Dusty like doesn't know whether or not he's scheduled to go to Japan with <laughs> in the near future. <laughs> am I am I going? Like you're basically in charge of the company at this yeah. time, Dusty. I think you're going to Japan. I can go if you want to. It's up to you. I think you're going. You know. <laughs> this show's moving right along. Next up is a, a women's tag team match with uh, four women from Japan. It's Itsuki Yamazaki and Mami Kitamura versus Miki Honda and Miss A. They have a lot of trouble saying Miss A's actual name, um, and so they just settle on Miss A, which you know I guess is all right. Um, it's do what a, you got to do. <laughs> do what you got to do. I, you know, he uh, they they call that bait. They don't like. Uh, the sushi and the sake but um this is actually a pretty good clean this is a great match technical match like these women work their asses off like stuff looks looks legit like it doesn't look like the kind of 90 pound uh no. bullshit you see on AEW these days it's like it's actual wrestling it's i thought it was fantastic honestly they're hitting each other yeah. and uh dusty and jr are really struggling <laughs> they're really struggling with the names Dusty just keeps going. That's my lady. That's my woman. <laughs> Especially about Miss A. I think he yeah. loved Miss A. Well, um, they like they uh, they try to guess her weight, and they they yeah. they end up uh, around one eighty. And Dusty says she's solid. She's a solid lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, and Dusty also mentions that uh, a headbutt was right in the cross your heart bra area. <laughs> Do they still make those? Crush your heart. Probably, I'm sure. I don't. I don't mm-hmm. study that stuff. So, yeah, this yeah. is a great match. The crowd. That's the big thing in this is that the crowd loved this match, and that really helped it get over too. I think is that the after like there was a uh, double R underhook uh, suplex thing power bomb uh, that uh, one of the uh, contestants in this match pulled off. 
Um, I'm struggling to remember which one did it to who, yeah. but uh, that got a huge pop. And then after that move, every single thing these ladies did was big cheers. There was no heel or face in the match. There was this everybody cheering for everything that they were doing. And it's a, a great energy that like, I feel like part of the Brad Armstrong versus Bobby Eaton energy flowed into this match. And then these, these ladies kept the tempo going, which was great. Yeah. So Yamazaki and Kitamura get the win by pinning Miss A after a flying clothesline off the top and sort of a roll up thing. Um, yeah, really surprisingly good. There's been a few of the, you know, like the jumping bomb angels and a couple of those other um, Japanese tag teams on some of the WrestleManias we've seen. And I don't think any of them really uh, quite, you know, lived up to their, uh, their potential, but these, these ladies freaking brought it. So yeah, none uh, of them I've ever really connected to the audience as well either. And yeah. I think that's, that makes a big difference with this one is that somehow that move plus the match prior to it, and I think just the type of audience that would come out to the WCW shows at this time were more likely to appreciate this. It was if you if you looked at the crowd pans, you could see that the the crowd was a little bit older. I I don't want to say like like geriatric, but they're they're older. There's not as many kids in the crowd, so like yeah. the the overall pitch of the overall crowd scream was significantly lower than the screams of WrestleMania seven, <laughs> which happened like a month after this, which basically sounded like a, a kindergarten. Um, so I think that makes a big difference in into who is watching and. Uh, yeah, this this is a this is a top notch match. This is like like a great double feature right at the beginning of this card, pretty much of Brad and Bobby versus uh, and the uh, and these Japanese ladies doing an amazing job. Yeah, well, that kind of matches up with WCW's pitch in general. Is that it is a it is a more mature product for a more mature fan for a fan who likes wrestling or doesn't want the cartoon stuff. They want you know personal grievances and people with actual names and uh, you know real fights. So that makes a lot of sense. And I I think this, like you said, this type of crowd is uh, more primed to appreciate that kind of match. Yeah. So after the match, Tony Schiavone is with Missy Hyatt, who is uh, bound and determined to get in the locker room to do an interview. She wants to be the first woman um, interviewer to go into the men's locker room. I think her interests are purient. purient. I don't know. I don't think they're, they're entirely honorable. <laughs> she um, cracked me up because she's like, I'm demanding equal treatment. I want to be treated just like a normal journalist. And then she goes, I'm looking to interview a babe. <laughs> <laughs> she, she doesn't care who she interviews so long as it's a babe way to objectify the men in the locker room god <laughs> so but then we get back to the action it's dustin Rhodes uh, versus buddy landell um so dusty gets to call a match for his own boy which is kind of interested interesting to me um dusty looks uh dustin dustin looks uh looks great he's uh, yeah super long. he looks exactly like his dad here like it's it's a little bit scary. Um, yeah, he's just a, a slightly slimmer version of his dad in this, yeah. in this, and taller. He's much taller than his dad. Yeah, so six um, ten, something like that. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I didn't write too much down about this one. I did. I just wrote that Landell just bumps all over the place for Dustin. Yeah, um, and there he has those beautiful arm drags that we've noticed uh, multiple times. Yeah, um, I don't know how he can hang around AEW and not teach those fucking guys how to do an arm drag you know that's worth a goddamn i know 
he needs to do it. Um, there's a little bit of sloppiness in this match. Like they go for an Irish whip to the corner and like Landell just kind of like falls down or something. I don't know what was happening, but like, again, I'm just going to point out that Landell is really just trying to be Ric Flair in this match. He takes the, 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 um, being caught at the top from the top rope to into a body slam. He begs Dustin not to hurt him, all that kind of good stuff that Ric Flair does. Buddy Landell is also doing in this match. And it's kind of, mm, it just doesn't work with him. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't understand, but okay, that's fine. Um, and then Dustin wins with a running bulldog. It's a pretty short, it's kind of just, yeah. bleh, it's over. So, um, there's another good dusty line in this one. He says, when you back a dog into a corner, you gotta be very careful that I don't bite you. <laughs> God. I don't know what is, what is going on. Oh, that guy. So, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> R.I.P. Dusty. Um, Missy Hyatt does get into the dressing room. She does not oh, find a babe. So good. What she finds is Stan Hansen with <laughs> just an absolute wad of chewing tobacco sticking out of his mouth and just tobacco juice all down his chest. Oh, it's so gross. It's, it's disgusting. <laughs> and he's hollering <laughs> and chasing her around. And apparently this is a reference to something that happened. Yeah, um, with an actual newscaster in uh, uh, the Patriots locker room in, in 1990 during the 1990 football season, uh, a woman a journalist tried to go in and interview players and got got chased out of the locker room. And it was a whole big deal. Uh, it calls the schmas and stuff like that. So yeah. but uh, this this scene is just uh, hilarious to me. I don't I, I thought this was this was one of the funniest things I've seen in old wrestling in quite a while that we've watched uh just it's stan hansen is so gross he looks so gross he's a fucking maniac yeah like half his like tim said he has this massive water chewing tobacco it's like that's not that's that doesn't do it justice it's like hanging out of his mouth it looks like he took like five cigars and shoved it into his corners of his mouth and chewed them and then started pushing them back out with his tongue. Like it doesn't even look like it's actual chewing tobacco. It looks like he literally chewed up cigars or something. <laughs> it's really this massive wad hanging out of his mouth. And like, you can see the juices dripping, running down his chest and his, and his now middle-aged belly. Oh, it's so gross. And he's just screaming out, get out, get out here. what do you think you're doing? You can't even really understand what he's saying because there's so much. And it's like flying, like juices flying out of his mouth. It's it's so gross. It's so gross. And it's so you're, so saying, amazing. you're saying it was gross. Yeah. And and then the camera comes back and like Tony Schiavone can't contain yeah, himself. He's, he's laughing up. so hard. I can't. Can you imagine trying to keep a straight face after that? I, don't know. <laughs> no. I can. I can. It. I think this might be one of those memories now seared into my brain of wrestling. Just like the the image of Stan Hansen covered in his own tobacco juice, chasing a woman <laughs> out of the locker room. <laughs> it's not an image I want to be able to recall, but I now no. can recall it, and I don't like it. I have to get some therapy. All right, who's next? So we got the Young Pistols. So we got another Armstrong boy. These guys are everywhere. Steve Armstrong and Tracy Smothers versus the Royal Family, which is Jack Victory and Rip Morgan. We've seen Jack Victory and Rip Morgan on one of these other specials that we talked about, I remember for sure. Um, 
they were so first of all the pyro on the ramp like almost sets the pistols on fire and they look uh, very concerned like it goes off while they're yeah. still like directly in front of it um so that was that was a bit of an oops uh these guys start out hot though the pistols are sort of smaller and faster the royals are real big and strong um it's kind of a sort of back and forth kind of classic thing but then the lights go out in the stadium <laughs> nobody <laughs> nobody really seems too bothered by it like jr yeah. and dusty are just kind of like making jokes about it and the guys just keep wrestling and um they talk about how hot it is and maybe the ac blew the power <laughs> um but and then uh, jr keeps getting his armstrongs uh mixed up he can't he can't keep the armstrongs straight no um, which i get you know there's too many armstrongs and the yeah it's this match i don't know i got kind of distracted uh by like the lights going out i just was stuck with like who 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 the hell are any of these guys like the ref in this match is nick patrick he's more famous than any of the participants in this match and the young pistols look like they're like cowboy strippers designed by elton john like like in like the royal family guys came down in like green and gold renaissance garb like it's it's just not working and and like some of the spots at the start of this match were identical to the japanese women's match and i didn't <laughs> it was like well you guys just just messed up i, I don't know like you're just ripping off another match yeah. and then uh one of the guys in the royal family just keeps screaming you you like at like i don't understand i i didn't understand anything that was happening and then like one of the royals had this like joe dirt mullet on steroids and like i couldn't i i don't know was uh, 91 was an unfortunate time for men's hairstyles yeah just put that out there and like so i wasn't sure what happened to you but the royals try a double suplex on a pistol but he like drops him just about on his damn head and then he flips over on top of one of the Royals and gets the pin so that the pistols get the, the win for this particular match. But um, that's, yeah. I only caught that because I watched it on the replay. Then Jr. is not trying to convince you that they're actual Royals at all. There's no backstory to their gimmick or anything. Like Jr. actually tells you that one of them is a former New Zealand rugby star. Like he's not in the Royal family then if like, like at least in over in the WWF, they're going to do a stupid gimmick. Like you're a trash man. They actually talk about and like film you on a trash truck. And like, they talk about you like having your route and stuff like that. Like JR just doesn't give a shit. Like, and you can tell that even when watching like some of these, uh, like attitude, early attitude era shows with like the nation of domination. JR is just calling for Rook Ron Simmons and talking about his football. Like, like he's not, he's not going for it at all. Uh, but like, you know, also before there was Wikipedia, there was Jim Ross, you know, that's, that's where you learned everything about wrestlers was, was all the stupid, insane stuff that comes out of Jim Ross's mouth. <laughs> well, or gorilla monsoon before that, as we've discussed, that's where True. we learn, learn all of our uh, biology and anatomy. So, right. Yeah, this one wraps up. We're all the better for it. There's yeah. a DDP, a diamond Dallas page promo after this, uh, where Teddy long interrupts and says, homie, don't play that. <laughs> in living color was on about this time i guess um, i don't think the audience got that reference whatsoever yeah. at all they didn't get it i, mean, I don't think there's a, much crossover in the uh like older wcw crowd in phoenix and uh and the average in living color the intended audience for in living color you, sh- you should say <laughs> um, 
I loved yeah. that show. As I did teen, too. As actually. a teenager, it's funny as balls. Yeah. So, and it gave and, us uh, Jim Carrey. So, yeah, for better or worse. We also had another great dusty line to where he says that that move will make your back crack, your liver quiver, and your knees squeeze. <laughs> Beautiful. All of them hitting his lisp perfectly. He should have written uh, greeting cards. Yeah, uh, DDP in his promo also delivered a beautiful line of uh, he calls uh, someone I can't remember now who he called uh, this, but he called them a Copenhagen dipping peanut head. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't know either, but it made me laugh. <laughs> oh, Copenhagen dipping. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Like dipping yeah. Copenhagen yeah. tobacco. Yeah. Like whatever the fuck was going on with uh, Stan Hansen had had ten cans of it shoved into yeah. his mouth at the time. I was distracted by how much Kenny Omega looks like DDP in his uh, in his get up from this era. Oh my god, um, you're right. You're I hope totally right. He sends DDP some of his royalty checks because he totally lifted it. Especially when he comes out for the match later, Jackie. Jackie, my wife is like, she's like, is that Kenny Omega? I'm like, no. I mean, yes, but no. Kenny Omega is like 10 at this point, I think. Yeah, <laughs> probably. So you're right. I did. I didn't. I hadn't put those pieces together, but now I can't unsee it. It totally is. Yeah. Maybe we should uh, pull up some pictures and, and tweet them. Then people can judge for themselves. So, but it's, yeah. it's a little startling. So homie, don't play that. <laughs> <laughs> so the next match is uh Terry Taylor. This is pre red rooster gimmick. I think. Um, or is it post? I can't remember. It doesn't matter. Um, he's, he's there with his valet, Alexandra York, AKA Terry Reynolds, AKA, um, uh, Mrs. Dustin Rhodes. Um, Future. They are, they're not married yet. They, they met yeah. here. Um, Terry is wrestling the Z man, which is Tom Zink in a notice qualification match. You may remember Tom Zink from a tag team with, uh, Rick Martell. um, in the WWF, it was he wasn't around there very long. He had a much longer stretch in WCW. So, but he looks like a buff Rick Martel. He looks like a if Rick Martel put on like fifty pounds of muscle. That's Tom Zink is what he looks like. So, um, they start out slow, kind of technical, some side headlocks, some yeah. takeovers. Um, Taylor keeps kind of taking the time out to check with his manager and make sure he know, wants to know what he's doing. So I think it's kind of a fun uh, gimmick. JR uses the word staunch, and Dusty doesn't know what it means. I has to ask him to explain it. <laughs> <laughs> I liked um, Zank sells the living hell out of a suplex. Uh, yeah. And these guys, actually, I enjoyed this one. These guys work pretty well together. Um, the key Koloff is in the crowd and so is hero Matsuda. Uh, we'll see them a little bit later. Um, and then about halfway through, they actually go out on the floor, which kind of like, like it, I sort of had to, uh, kind of pinch myself. Cause I just realized that we just, I just watched, I don't know, like an hour or something of a wrestling show and nobody had gone out on the floor yet. <laughs> uh, and your average yeah. AEW episode, yeah. they, they pretty much just start out there and go in the ring very sparingly. Um, so I thought it was kind of notable for how rare it is here versus kind of modern day wrestling. Yeah. So this is uh, one, this is post uh, red rooster. Oh, it is. Okay. Uh, gimmick. He had just actually come back to WCW at this point. Um, yeah, so this is a no DQ match. That's very boring for a no DQ match. <laughs> like there's, there's nothing happening. <laughs> like, I don't understand. Um, 
Miss York also looks like the nerdy scientist wrestler from Glow. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, not, she but she totally does. Um, she does. Yeah, she has this weird like word processor thing that she's typing on the entire time. I'm not sure yeah. that's actually. It kind of looks like a giant calculator, but it it's I don't know what it's supposed to be. Uh, so she's always calculating like statistics of uh, Terry's uh, odds of winning. That's what she's always doing. This is uh, like a no DQ match, and Terry Taylor is choking Z Man, and the ref is trying to stop him. <laughs> it's a no DQ. Uh, JR lets us know that they both have college degrees, which is very important for the youth. <laughs> very important. Yeah. You know, let the youth yeah. know that these two participants, if you have a college degree, you can, you too can be a mid card professional wrestler who, who acts like a rooster on live television <laughs> and wrestles a man that just goes by the first letter of his last name. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed, uh, this match though. There was some fun spots, but then when you go, well, this is a no DQ match and there's no steel chairs. There's no yeah. nothing. The only thing that they do that's slightly edgy is that they go outside of the ring and they're choking him, but like the ref stops him. Um, yeah, but Taylor gets a win after uh, the distraction by York on Z-Man. And then uh, we get gifted the corporate package video type music, the MIDI synthesizers of the 90s music that uh, Terry Taylor has as his <laughs> as his music. It's 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 delightful. Like you can imagine like a PowerPoint slideshow happening to it like and like some older white guy in glasses nodding. Yeah, this is a good idea. This has synergy. There's synergy to this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He uh, gets the old uh, grabbing the tights for the roll up and the pin, which we've discussed before. So yeah, decent match. Uh, I like, you know, Zank, Zank's both these guys are pretty good. Uh, yeah. I don't know why this was no DQ. I assume that they had had just a bunch of different, uh, matches that didn't end satisfactorily up to now and they just this is all that was left i who knows it's hard to say um so there's uh let's see what happens after this oh yeah dusty and uh, jr sort of tease el gigante and uh paulie Heyman. so here comes Heyman, <laughs> paulie dangerously paul Heyman, dressed like a matador um, oh. So I was a little bit nervous at first. Like, uh oh. Well, he's not dressed as a matador. He comes out of the matador song, but he's dressed as a mariachi performer. Oh, a mariachi. Yeah. What did I say? I said uh, matador. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. You're right. I'm sorry. He's yeah. He's, <laughs> as a, he's got the Bad. he's got the big ass sombrero and the jacket and the whole thing. And you're um, immediately like, oh, this is Phoenix. Yeah. And he's coming out like this. Oh my God, Paulie dangerously is not going to survive this night. <laughs> this is not go good. Yeah. Higante looks good here, though. He's like super young. Oh, he had sort of a he had sort of a rough life. He didn't look that good that long. But um, Heyman torments him a little bit, which just seems like a bad idea, and um, and then ends up throwing his sombrero at uh, El Higante and gets yeah. body slammed for his uh, for his efforts, which I could have told you was coming. Yeah. So one, he starts out this promo. Hello. My name is Paul E. Dangerously. So, like, he's hitting it already. 30-some years ago, he's dropping the, my name is Paul, blah, 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 whatever he decides to go by. Yeah, I caught that, too. Yeah, he lands this great line that says, you guys can take your velvet paintings and your refried beans back over the border. Yikes. Ooh, 
Ooh, he's trying to get some heat. And he also notes that he never met an honest Hispanic person while living in New York City. Um, and then he takes his sombrero off at one point, and you can see that he actually has notes inside the sombrero that he is reading from. <laughs> oh, shit, I missed it. To land these lines. Mm-hmm. And like... <laughs> And the entire time, Dusty Rhodes just keeps calling him uh, El Gallante. El Gallante. <laughs> El Gallante. El Gallante. El Gallante. Like, he can't say his name. And it's it's so it's so precious. First, <laughs> first the Japanese tag teams, and then El Gigante. That's, that's, not, that's not fair. It's not fair to Dusty. No. He can't do this. I, and then it does end great, though. Uh, Gallante... Uh, whips the shit you out just, of Paul. You just did it too. Gigante. Gigante. I mean, I'm, I'm stuck in dusty mode. Baby. <laughs> baby. He, he, he beats the shit out of him, baby. And then he puts on the sombrero and leaves. Uh, Gigante puts on the sombrero. It's uh, it's it's great. And uh, it's, at one point, Paul also tells him to speak English. Like, oh my God. Like, he's yeah. this just... He takes the gas to 11 and that's what's so great about Paul Heyman. He just, he sees it. He sees the line and he's got to go over the line and then he needs to poke you in the eye repeatedly after going over the line. He is a genius at creating heat. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. He's going to have a a meeting with HR for sure. After that. (laughs) Not good. Not good. Um, Tony interviews uh, Hiro Matsuda and the Great Muta. I didn't really note anything. Did you note anything they said there? Uh, no, they're, they're plugging the Japanese Super Show thing that they got coming yeah, up after good. this. That's uh, what is it? Um, I guess it's WrestleFest that's coming up. No, not WrestleFest. No, uh, Super Show. It's the WCW New Japan Super Show. The uh, one that Dusty isn't sure he's going to or not. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Um, so that's, that's what they're basically talking up, even though I don't think it was available to order in the United States. So <laughs> thanks for telling us about it. This was for before express VPN, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So next up on the card is big van Vader coming in at a svelte 404 pounds. <laughs> we both yeah. noticed he looks a little skinnier than we, uh, you know, than you usually think of. I mean, if you can count 404 as skinny. Uh, up against Stan the Lariat Hansen, fresh off of his uh, stellar dressing room performance. <laughs> he still he still he's, has all the chew, and he's coming he's down. Still to got that. the chow in there. It's still like just spraying everywhere. It's still fucking disgusting. <laughs> uh, coming down to the ring, I'm like, how is he going to wrestle? Like he and he consists and he like wrestles with it for the first minute or two. He like, he's going to swallow it and choke on it and like die. There's chew juice all over the mat, oh, and you can see like. Oh, hunks of tobacco all over the ring it's so gross <laughs> that wasn't even a put on he just did that like normally no that was just no thing. so um and vader also has this like scary helmet and shoulder pad thing on that like steams yeah um, he's basically wearing a lucha mask here he's he doesn't yeah. have his um sort of weird the dog like <laughs> yeah the, the, always reminded me of like those like invisible dog leash with the leather muzzles on them i don't know if you like it's made to look like you have an invisible dog walking i don't know oh, yeah you know <laughs> yeah. his mask always reminded the, me of that get him at the state fair yeah yeah um, that's funny 
he's just got like a lucha mask on and like i just noted that like someone's gonna die in this match isn't it like <laughs> they don't even wait they don't even wait to get to the no. ring they just start on the ramp there's some chops there's um some nice uh nice right hands from vader he does a really a beauty of an elbow drop that i like would have caved in a normal man's chest for sure yeah um hansen picks up Friggin' Vader into a back suplex, which I don't know how he did that without leaving a <laughs> herniating everything. Um, and they uh, they do end up outside the ring. So there's uh, Vader picks up Hanson and sort of slams him on the barricade, like body slams him on his side, kind of on the barricade. Yeah, um, it's <laughs> it's a slugfest. No, yeah, like Vader is just punching Hanson right in the ear. Like it's just repeated ear punches and it's, oh God. And uh, this is more intense than the actual no disqualification match. And this match has disqualifications. Uh, it's it's incredibly intense. It's incredibly mean. It's not really a wrestling match. It is just two humongous human beings fighting each other, like punching each other and like doing horrible things to each other. And uh, uh, JR says, the ref looks like a small child and Dusty fights back. He is a small child. <laughs> and then after that, Dusty keeps calling the ref Pee-wee through the entire yeah, match. Pee-wee. And then he, and then Dusty says, it's just two old big boys having a good time. <laughs> that's, that's a little scary. So yeah, they're, they're on their knees uh, kind of exchanging blows and the ref tries to sort of get in between them. And Hanson like just friggin' one hands the ref and, <laughs> and tosses him out the ro- out of the ring, like through the ropes and out of the ring. It's like, amazing. I don't, even, I don't even think the ref like helped him. I think he just friggin' one handed that guy. Like it was crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and the ref gets up and disqualifies them both, um, yeah. which is the only acceptable outcome for this match, uh, short of like mutually assured destruction and, and uh, blood and gore from one end to the other. I think this was probably a better outcome. Yeah. And then they dragged each other brawling to the back too. Like they're just like, that's not the end of the match. <laughs> like the, it, you could argue that they're both still fighting backstage at the <laughs> veterans auditorium in, in Phoenix right now. If we didn't know that, Vader was dead. Yeah. So, but otherwise, you would totally believe right now that they would still be fighting each other because this fight looked incredibly real. It might have been real. They may have just said, "Yeah, fuck it, let's just let's just go for it." Right? Like, yeah, we're both let's huge. Just, let's just beat the shit out of each other. Yeah. We both can take it. Let's do it. Like, like they almost take out some fans at one yeah. point in this match. Like. Some of the fans look genuinely terrified of what is happening in this match. So I was terrified and I'm watching it here like 20, 30 years after the fact. Yeah. So I think Vader is probably waiting in hell for Stan Hansen to get there and they're just going to continue this fight Yeah. Um, once they get together. So, um, so JR, JR and Dusty are sort of previewing the next match while they clear the beef and tobacco juice out of the ring. Um, he says that this is Spivey's basically his last chance to kind of step up and move into the, uh, you know, the realm of the the champions and sort of this is his shot. And he's he's pulling for Spivey. Um, so this is Lex Luger versus Dangerous Dan Spivey. This is for the WCW United States Heavyweight Championship. Luger is absolutely glorious looking oh when he comes God. out. Like, yeah total stud spivey looks like uh a little bit like um stunning steve austin a little bit when you know when steve still had hair i thought it's yeah but he's solid like maybe foot taller yeah he's a seven he's he's a huge son of a bitch um 
and uh, and they they make a big deal about the uh, they have a new belt for this U.S. title that's cost twenty thousand dollars. So that's uh, we we mentioned that several times. And we get a nice good long look at that twenty thousand dollar belt before the match begins. I argue that th- this might be one of the one of my favorite Lex Luger matches, and I'm not a big fan of Lex Luger, even though I believe that he deserves to be in the WWE Hall of Fame and all that good stuff. But he is impressive in this match. He is fast. He is strong. He is doing. He's doing stuff. He has a glorious blonde mullet. He's got without <laughs> sideburns. It is everything. Everything you want in a wrestler is happening from is is happening from Lex Luger in this match. I was actually surprised at how well he works here. I don't think of him as somebody who's you know particularly um, you know adept or skilled in the ring. You know, I think of him as kind of like the look is is most of it, right? But yeah. Like, there's he has like some really notable stuff here, including the finish. Uh, we won't that we'll get to in a little bit, but um, I don't know. I uh, there's a spot where so they have two rings set up for the later war games match, right? And the the matches throughout the night kind of go back and forth between the two different rings. Um, so there's a spot where he sort of dives at Spivey and Spivey ducks and Luger goes sort of over the, through the ropes into the second ring. Yeah. I thought it actually looked really natural and really cool. Yeah. I like that, that good. move. Yeah. I, the only issues that I really had with this <laughs> match was that uh, Dan Spivey lands an inverted pile driver on Luger. And that was not the finish. And then Spivey lands a DDT on Luger, and that was not the finish. And then Spivey lands an elbow from the top rope, and that is not a finish. Uh, and then Luger takes a second pile driver from Spivey, and that is not the finish. Like, good lord, guys! <laughs> How yeah, many, you can't you can't pound someone on their head that many times and not have it in the match to stay believable. Yeah, well, that's the um, story they're telling, and even um, Dusty is kind of changing his tune as as this goes on. You know, it's sort of like, you know, when it starts, he's you know he's with Spivey, he's rooting for Spivey. But as it goes on, he just can't get over how tough Luger is, how Luger's hanging in through all this stuff. Luger just won't go down. He won't go down, uh, and he finally uh, he sort of does a hawk up. You know, he starts no selling stuff. He does a really nice clothesline from the top and then a, a beautiful power slam. Yeah. Uh, but then the win is just like a kind of this kind of like crazy reverse. Like, I don't know, he reverses something into a small package. Um, yeah, and- like Luger <laughs> climbed to the top rope and Spivey catches him and goes to throw him like you would normally see, like with Ric Flair taking and something. But somehow Luger hooks Spivey's leg while doing it. And and they all just like use their momentum to end up rolling with Spivey being caught for the pin. I was impressed. Yeah, it's an impressive little finish to come out of Lex Luger because um, he yeah. doesn't look flexible enough to do something like that. And Dan <laughs> Spivey is a beast. And they're like, you don't think he could get into something like that either. Uh, but here we are. And uh, Luger gets the roll up win off of a reversal. It's it's uh, an impressive little finish for them. Yeah, it's sort of like the shades of that Macho Man finish that we liked so much from way back yeah. when. It's not nearly as smooth, as fluid as uh, as Macho Man's, but it's uh, yeah, I was I was kind of impressed. I I enjoyed this one too. Again, I'm not I'm with you. I'm not a huge Lex Luger fan. I like you know he looks great. I love the the narcissist uh, character. You know when he did that, I thought that was really cool. I like that better than sort of like the Hulk Hogan Redux. Uh, 
you know, stars and stripes and all that stuff. But um, Lex Luger's glory in WWF was him with Bobby Heenan and Mr. Perfect and like the whole relationship between the three of them. That whole storyline with them was, was my favorite bit of Lex Luger's. I guess whole, all of Lex Luger's career, in my opinion, like that was the good stuff. But yeah, this was a good match. And yeah. despite Luger getting dropped on his head multiple times <laughs> and not losing um, is yeah. a good match. So uh, Ivan Koloff is in the in the crowd or Nikita Koloff, sorry, is in the crowd and presents uh, Luger with the belt. Um, and then, of course, attacks him with it. So setting up the next feud there. And Nikita's horrible Russian accent. <laughs> it's a legit accent. You don't know what you're talking about. It is not a legit accent. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're getting down to the end. We got a um, tag team world WCW world tag team championship matchup. Next, we've got the Freebirds, Jimmy Garvin and Michael P.S. Hayes with Big Daddy Dink and Diamond Dallas Page. Big Daddy Dink, by the way, is uh, uh, what's his face? Humperdink, Oliver Humperdink um, in some kind of crazy uh, pimp get up and they are wrestling doom which of course is butch reed and ron simmons uh, two of our favorite badasses with teddy long playa as manager for them um the for, so the opening to this thing takes forever it has some of this some of the most cringy stuff from ddp i've seen and he's looking extra like uh like kenny omega that may have been my main reaction to it because mm. uh, i just i couldn't take it yeah, Teddy Long gets introduced as the godfather of wrestling. Uh-huh. <laughs> sure, sure. And uh, they come down with some uh, very, very beautiful dark-skinned women. And Dusty says, that's some good-looking brown sugar right there, baby. <laughs> Calm down, Dusty. Straight Calm. to HR. Straight Calm to HR. Down. Oh, but, man. But fortunately, once we get through that, we get to have Ron Simmons just brutalizing people. Oh, my God. Uh, which makes it all worthwhile. All worthwhile at the end of the day. God, I love Ron Simmons. I love, yeah, I love he looks so like much. Billy D. Williams here, but he has been bench pressing <laughs> Chewbacca the entire time. He's such a fucking badass. Yeah. JR tells us where he played football, of course. Yeah. And JR also lets us know that Ron Simmons is Burt Reynolds' favorite wrestler. <laughs> well, I'm so glad we learned that. <laughs> oh, we learned all kinds of shit from Jr. Um, yeah. What the one we learned that that one wrestler in that other show was like possibly friends with Vanna White because they went to the same high school at the same time. Like, <laughs> come on, Jr. Yeah, <laughs> he's totally Wikipedia. You're right. Like yeah. it's like, you know, the random links in the Wikipedia articles and you follow it and you follow it and you follow it. And, and then you're pretty you're reading sh- about the French revolution. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then you're in QAnon, you know, it's yeah. all over. Yeah. So, um, Garvin, uh, Garvin is in the middle of fighting, uh, Ron Simmons and he decides to taunt Butch Reed, which on the list of bad ideas, I, I have to put you know, <laughs> pretty near the top. You know, that's like, uh, that's like strapping a stake to yourself and, and taunting a shark. At the beach. Yeah, drop um, dangling your kid over the gorilla cage, you know. <laughs> <laughs> then and then it's uh taunting Butch Reed. <laughs> that's 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 the line. Yeah. Uh it's not good. No. Um and then God, Ron Simmons is spine buster. He's gonna he I how did he not paralyze somebody with that move? <laughs> like he gets them a good five to six feet up in the air and then just drives them down to the mat. Uh, and like everybody loves Arn Anderson's spine buster and it is a beautiful move from him. But, uh, 
Ron Simmons's spine buster. That shit looks real. That <laughs> like I I felt my legs tingle just watching him land yeah. that spine buster on a uh, Garvin. So I have some numbness in my uh, outer toes as a result of that. Yeah. So this is a this is a decent match. It's not. I don't know. It's a little bit of uh, of chaos. Um, are you ready to talk finish? Yeah, I mean, else you want to there was also like just along with that that spine buster, Butch Reed has his hip toss into a short arm clothesline that he he he's gonna decapitate somebody with that thing. <laughs> like, good lord! Like, how much is it to insure these guys when, <laughs> when they're doing shit like that? Like, they're they're landing things as a uh, Stone Cold would say, uh, snugly. Yeah. it's very very snug. Laying it in there. Yeah. How about I know that uh I know there's a fantastic Ron Simmons versus Vader match. I wonder if Doom ever uh, wrestled like a Vader and somebody else like a like Vader Vader and Stan Hansen <laughs> versus yeah. Doom. Or like Doom versus like the Road Warriors. That's gotta Holy be out there shit. somewhere. <laughs> it's probably only thirty seconds long and like yeah. everybody's bleeding and nobody walks away. Like that's <laughs> The ring is in shambles. Just turn it into toothpicks. Yeah. So for the finish on this one, the ref gets distracted. Um, Butch Reed slips on the brass knucks and tries to uh, knock out Garvin with him, but uh, but he ducks, of course, and he knocks out Simmons instead. So the Freebirds get the win, the pin, and the win. Uh, after the match, Reed and is just he's just pissed, like he can't hardly control himself, and he attacks Simmons with the knucks, and Teddy's egging him on. So we've got the breakup of Doom, which breaks my heart. Just I think how many more people they could have paralyzed if they had stayed together. <laughs> it's just it's over too soon. I mean, Dusty was heartbroken. He said, uh, we thought everything was cosetic, if you will. <laughs> if you will. If you will. Cosetic. Cosetic. <laughs> so they go, um, they interview some kid ringside who's got a Sting t-shirt on. He's from uh, Philadelphia, I think he says. He won a contest to be there. And they ask him who his favorite team in the War Games match is coming up. And he, he looks just <laughs> utterly terrified. <laughs> And he says, Doom. <laughs> and JR, JR covers pretty good. He's like, well, you know, I don't think they'll be teaming up too too much again anytime soon. They're not even in the match, kid. They're not in the match. pat on the head and send him back to his seat. Poor kid. But good for him for winning a contest to get there. So, all right. We're, we're down to it already. You get a little nice video package to kind of recount the bad blood between the, uh, the teams here. So it's the Four Horsemen, which is Ric Flair, Barry Windham, um and Sid Vicious and Larry Zabisco is subbing for Arn Anderson who's injured. They are going up against Sting, Brian Pillman, and the Steiner brothers, of course, Rick and Scott, uh, for a war games match to to round out this bad boy. Um so there's the <laughs> the, the poor cage and this thing gets lowered from the ceiling. There's fireworks, but the the cage just it's just it's having a hard time. You know, it's uh Looks like it's held together with bailing wires, my mom would say. And they literally went to like Heckinger's and bought a bunch of uh, fencing. And then like they're struggling to get it down. But it has its own theme music and it has fireworks going off of it. Mm -hmm. And the crowd is eating that shit up. Oh, my God. They're so excited for this match. They are hot. They are ready to go. They are ready to see some violence in a cage. 
And as they lowered and finally connected the cage, because they were struggling with it, because it actually could flare out and like they had to bolt it to the ring. Um, I was like, that cage ceiling, it has a ceiling and that ceiling looks really low for someone yeah. like Sid Vicious to be in this match or someone with like the nickname Flying Brian to be in this match. Um, I think we're in trouble and... Yeah. Foreshadowing. Kind of foreshadowing. Uh, kind of sagging to the ceiling. Yeah. It's not like it's not looking good. And when they do bring it down, you can see daylight on the the far corner. I don't know if you noticed where it's it's not connected. It's no, not, it's not no. put together. Not at um, all. And then it's time for the rules, um, oh which God. takes three three full screens of text. I took pictures of them as they were coming down. Three full screens of text. There's nine bullet points. Um, it takes roughly four and a half hours to read the rules. Um, and Tony Schiavone is talking as fast as he can to yeah. get these rules. And it's still like, what? <laughs> it's also like um, like karaoke a little bit. The The bullet points uh, change color as he's reading them. So <laughs> as he's reading them, they uh, they turn white. And then they go back to kind of this like pinkish orange color. Um, so the, the, the basic gist of it is um, there's two teams. You start out with two guys. They flip a coin to determine which team gets to send in their next guy first. Um, and then once they send that person in, then you start to clock. And then every two minutes, the teams will alternate sending a person in. And once you get the full complement of eight people in, that's when the actual match starts. And that's when you can actually win. You can't win by pinfall. You can't win by disqualification. You can only win by submission or surrender, which I don't know what the difference is. I guess surrender would be like, Hey, I give up where submission would be like tapping out. Um, yeah. seems like a, what's a distinction without a difference as they say. I right? mean, you could just pin somebody into the corner and just pound them in the face. Like, I think that's how like the one in AEW kind of ended. And then they still threw Jericho still threw someone off the top of the damn thing. Yeah. Um, so I was just looking at some, um, war game statistics here which is impressive. Uh, so the road warriors have been in 13 of these matches. Hot damn. And they've won all 13 of them. Wow. Ric Flair has been in 14 of them. Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard both have been in 15 of these matches. None of them have ever won one. Wow. Lex Luger has been in 13 of them as well. And has won 10. It's just a uh, sting has been in 12. Like, these matches seem like they can really like hurt your career. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, age you prematurely. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's uh, so it looks like uh, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard are the ones that have been in the most of them, despite never winning one. Um, so I feel like they should have one more and bring those guys in just so that and let them get, win. get a win on their record. Like the, like the Brooklyn brawler, you know, after 25,000 <laughs> matches, he can get, he can get a win. Yeah. Yeah. This is, there's a dramatic coin flip involved in the match and stuff like that. That's how complicated these rules are. I don't know why they didn't do the coin flip before the match. Like they start yeah. the match and then they're like, okay, you guys have been fighting for a while now for like, I think the, the beginning part is like five minutes or something. Yeah. And they're like, now we're going to flip the coin. Like you could have done that ahead of time. You know, there's no reason. Um, it kind of messes up the flow a little bit, which whatever, it doesn't yeah. matter. Um, 
so let's see. So Sting looks like Captain America. Uh, Brian's shoulder is all taped up from an earlier attack, so that's going to be a problem, clearly. Uh, he starts off, Brian Pillman does, with Barry Windham. Um, he just he just goes fucking jumping into the cage. He's ready. He wants yeah. to get some revenge on Wyndham. He does some actually some pretty cool moves, like swinging from the cage roof. Um, and uh, this is where I wrote, this is the shittiest cage I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, um, it's bad. Yeah. Like Pillman's not that tall of a guy and he can jump and grab the grab yeah. the roof of the cage and hang from it. Like it's like it's not that high, uh, people. It's it's really terrifying uh <laughs> how low that cage is. But the first five minutes is all Pillman on offense and just some serious brutality going on. Yeah. Uh, Wyndham is is bleeding almost immediately from banging into the cage. Um and uh, I, that's a that's a hot start. I enjoyed the start of this one. So yeah, so uh, Brian Pillman is billed at six feet tall, and he's able to just easily just jump right up and grab <laughs> that cage. So that cage is not more than like seven or eight feet tall. The ceiling, like it's not good. And like, and Pillman starts off fighting really dirty. Like he lands his low blow, and Dusty just says, "Yeah, he went home." Um, yeah, <laughs> and then. Uh, finally Pillman makes uh Wyndham eat the cage. And then that's when Jr. starts screaming. I think Wyndham has been lacerated. <laughs> nice. That was yeah. a gorilla ism. Uh, yeah. So um, and then, they, uh, then, then Pillman starts biting on Wyndham's face, like biting the cut from the cage and there's blood everywhere. And, and Brian Pillman has blood in his mouth and running down his chin. Like it is, it is a gruesome and wonderful visual that we're getting. Yeah. It looks like uh, Stan Hansen with tobacco juice all over his face. Yeah. So, but um, yeah, they, uh, the, the coin toss finally comes and I'm sure that Wyndham is, uh, is very <laughs> ready. Um, yeah. So the horsemen win and flair comes in to, uh, to rescue poor Barry Wyndham. Who's, who's just been eating it for the last five minutes. Yeah. Um, it's important to note that the coin flip is not televised. We don't see it. Fuck. You don't see the coin flip whatsoever. So why even bother with the coin flip? Just tell us, you know, just tell us ahead of time that they, uh, blah, blah, blah. They, uh, the, the horseman team won the coin flip. Like yeah. you don't need to actually do a coin flip. If you're not going to show the audience, the coin flip. Yeah. As determined before the match began. Yeah. That's all you need to do. So yeah. sting comes in next. So we get some flair versus sting goodness. While uh, Pillman puts a never-ending figure four on Wyndham, um, those two are just going at it left and right. And, yeah, uh, it's pretty exciting. Each of these entries are like hot tags in a tag match, and yeah. the, the crowd goes insane for each and every one of them, to the point to where by the time we got all four in there, like all eight guys in in this match, the crowd is like foaming at the mouth in frenzy like there's no calming down <laughs> and you can start you can see uh just the low budget of this is that like you can see the cage is a mess the cage is rickety and you can see the remnants of the fireworks that were attached to the cage oh, that went yeah. off <laughs> on the ring all over the place in the ring it's it's bad it looks nasty <laughs> Yeah, uh, Larry Zabisco is next, and Sting handles both him and Flair at the same time, which is great. Um, Flair finally kicks Pillman in the shoulder to get him to break that figure four on Wyndham. Um, I thought there was a chance that that was going to be it. Okay, we've got a, quite a few more people to get in the, yeah. the ring here. Um, it's it's Steiner time. Uh, oh, Rick, yeah. 
<laughs> Rick comes in and he is he is pissed. That guy's a beast. Like he just he just muscles everybody around. Yeah. Um, he I grabs Ric Flair by the hair and rubs his face across the cage yeah. like a cheese grater. Like, yeah, oh, so God. Gory. And it's then so there's, a, there's a blood stain left <laughs> on the cage after it, too. It's, oh, it's a great spot. And, like, pr- props to, to Ric Flair being willing to suffer that because th- there was no faking that that happened there. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I wrote down that spot, too, because it's just like and the camera is shot is just perfect yeah. coming through the cage and you see rick's head it's like just all like pulped uh, going back and forth across the cage it's yeah, it's, it's gross it's kind of like that scene in independence day where like they have the captured aliens down in area 51 and like the alien wakes up and like the room gets all foggy and then suddenly like the alien has uh brent spiner's character wrapped by the neck and slams him up against yeah. the glass <laughs> And is talking through him and like it looks just like that, like Ric Flair and Rick Steiner. <laughs> just it's so good. It's so good. I did actually while I was watching not this one, but while I was watching the uh this weekend's show, this uh the Survivor series with the work games, I kinda wondered why they haven't switched over to like a like a plexiglass cage. I mean, other than cost and weight probably, but like can you imagine how cool the visual that would be? Like because I if you're sitting in a crowd, the cage would kind of block your view a little bit, you know, yeah, like, cage matches aren't that fun uh, yeah. live. Um, yeah, but can you imagine if it was like, just like plex, like at a hockey game and you just see the people like get just smashed up against the, the glass. That'd be fucking amazing. Okay. So you're not talking like putting them in like a, with a plexiglass roof as well. So like they'll have yeah. air. Yeah. <laughs> They're not going to suffocate. And drill right? some holes in it. They're fine. <laughs> put uh, put a little peanut butter in the corner, you know, and some fine. blades of grass for them. To yeah, eat. it's fine. A wet tissue, whatever. Um, Sid is in, and then Scott Steiner is is last. Um, he is also a beast. I don't know which one of those brothers. I don't think either of those brothers were raised by humans. I think they were, um, I don't know, raised by bears or something. Uh, yeah, I mean, Scott Steiner comes in and immediately lands a a double underhook sit down power bomb on. I want to say it's Larry Zabisco and like he flips him up so hard. Larry Zabisco's like feet hit the ceiling of the cage and they bounce back down to the mat in a very violent, violent looking uh, maneuver. Uh, and the, the thing that I really enjoyed in this match is that Arn Anderson is ringside, but he's injured and he's just standing on the outside of the cage, calmly watching eight dudes beat the living shit out of each other. Yeah. <laughs> and like, Inside the inside the cage is like Thunderdome, and then on the outside is Arn Anderson calmly watching and like cheering them on. Like it's a it's a great uh, visual too, because like the camera keeps panning back so that you can see Arn Anderson just on the outside of the ring going "Go team!" Just like a just a day at the lake for him, you know, yeah. just just watching some brutality. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of good stuff going on. Um, there's quadruple figure fours at one yes. point. Um, kind of like, is who's gonna get? You know, who's gonna go first? Who's gonna get uh, tapped out here? But I mean, the whole thing is just sort. I wrote beautiful chaos. Yeah, it's kind of a, a symphony of violence. I sort of they do a good job of not of like continuing to have fights even when they're not the primary focus. You know, one of the things that I'm watching the WWE one this weekend. Um, is 
you get two or three people fighting and then the rest just kind of lay out, you know, um, yeah. just sort of like trade, like real half-assed punches or whatever. And you don't get that here. You get like these guys are still throwing each other into the cage face first because you never know who's watching who in the, in the you know where right. the camera is, but you don't know who the fans are watching, right? So you don't right. want to. You don't want to cheat somebody because, like, you also have that problem in like Royal Rumbles too, where like the the there's like always the classic spot of someone like in the corner pretending to be almost thrown over the top just so that they can pass time until it's their turn to go out or their turn to win. Um, <clears throat> and it's just this; it's like they're all fighting each other, like the putting up time. real spots, real things constantly happening. Yeah, there's and there's like impressive stuff happening all over the place. Like Sting is military pressing Flair repeatedly into the roof of the cage. <laughs> Again, that's how low the cage roof is. Is that Sting is able to press Flair into it as a weapon? And Larry Zabisco is caught in the figure four still, and you can hear him screaming in agony over Jr. and Dusty's mic. Uh, so that was that was great. And then the hideousness happens the first power bomb of yeah of sid on brian pillman um it's, it's not, ugly it's not good it's not yeah, good it's oh really God. ugly um he yeah so he he pretty much drops him on his freaking neck like i mean i i assume the power bomb you know so so pillman has been playing injured the whole time here right and like he's been clearly kind of sold as as the weak link right like he's, right. he's got the most sort of invested in it because he's the one that's been wronged but he's also the one who's in the worst shape out of the other guys so um you know kind of there's an expectation at least a little bit that he's going to be the one to uh to to maybe lose it for him because he's um he's already injured but not so like this know, not, but not like that. Not like this. Really bad. It's it's really bad. Um, yeah, yeah. Psycho Sid is six foot seven. So we've established that the cage roof is no more than eight feet above the ring. Yeah, Psycho Sid, who is six foot seven, trying to lift a six foot tall Brian Pillman up onto his shoulders and then slam him down onto the mat on his back. But Pillman doesn't have enough room to get fully vertical so that he can do the 90 degree drop onto his back in the power bomb. And so he goes up, his head hits the roof of the cage and then uh, he's stuck horizontal. And then uh, Sid still goes through the whole motion and that ends up over rotating Pillman and driving his neck and head directly into the mat. Yeah. And then you can see uh, Sid, go down and like say something to him. And then he picks him up for another power bomb does it again. <laughs> yeah. At least this one, he lands on his back, but you can see him modifying the move to keep yeah. Pillman flat instead of going straight up. And then he's able to deliver Pillman onto his back straight down. Um, and then that is, um, where El Gallente, Gigante, Gigante, the baby, baby, the big baby comes on down to the ring and uh, rips into the cage a la Kane. Yeah. Uh, I guess you could say Kane ripped into the cage a la El Gigante <laughs> uh, to check on uh, Brian Pillman. And the ref stops the match saying that Pillman is unconscious, even though we can see him, Sid, and El Gigante talking to each other. Yeah. 
No, he's well, unconscious. He's I out. did like the visual of uh, the visual of El Gigante carrying Pillman's lifeless body, sort of like a, a modern oh Prieta, yeah. right? <laughs> like, <laughs> so, like Mary and uh, and Jesus, like it was so it was tragic. Kind of, it was kind of tragic, yeah. And they kind of yeah. shoot it from below too, so you got mm-hmm. this beautiful camera angle of this huge, huge Latin man carrying small lifeless brian pillman out of the ring and down the aisle back to the locker room i'm yeah. I'm pretty sure that he actually needed to be carried after i wouldn't that. i wouldn't have trusted i wouldn't have moved him personally like you gonna you want to strap a collar on that kind of thing uh, no even so. if he says he's okay no 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 and it's a better <laughs> spot too if they like have to like in the war games match to bring an ambulance down to the ring and stuff like yeah. That is a finish right there. That's how <laughs> brutal the war games are, baby. You got to bring an ambulance down. Yeah, it's a. Um, I don't. I don't care for that finish that much. I mean, it makes sense in a way, but it sort of feels like a cheat after all that beautiful, beautiful violence we've just gotten. You know. Yeah, um, I, I'm not sure if that was supposed to be how it ended. Just because, like, it does kind of feel like it, just because of uh, El Gigante showing up. Like that yeah. seems like something that would have to be scripted to happen, but also at the same time, like there's no way Pillman was like, yeah, I need you to botch this power bomb on me because the cage is too low. So then I have a reason to be carried out of this ring in dramatic fashion. And then like after the match, the referee actually goes over to Jr. and talks to Jr. and says that he could see that Pillman was unconscious and that's why he stopped the match. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Dusty and Jr. are kind of just like riffing to, to fill up the airtime, even though they had a perfect time to just like, if you had that camera shot, like I know in Vince's production trailer, if he had the camera shot of, of El Gigante yeah. carrying Brian Pillman down the ramp, limp, triumphantly he would say that's where he right, stopped yep. cease transmission yep. put up the copyright wwf 1991 like roll out that's it i don't yeah. care if we're going to have 10 minutes of dead satellite time that's the end of the show yeah you can play the friggin uh super brawl promo preview mm-hmm. a couple more times after. yeah one more time where jr tells you <laughs> we're going to get more information about super brawl and then nothing but it's yeah. the name super brawl and the date that it is <laughs> Thanks, Jr. Yeah. So I have to say, uh, our, our War Games match, um, I, I'd say it delivered. Uh, it had pretty much everything I wanted. I I, I would have liked a better finish, but you know, what what do you what are you gonna do? Um, just some amazing performers, just uh, some really incredible spots. Uh, ruined a little bit by the shoddiness of the cage and the sort of limits it placed on the guys trying to get stuff done in there, but. Um, there's really, there's a lot to like, um, this this whole show had a lot to like, and like, that's, I think this is though, like where the WWF shines a little bit to where they know it has to look good. It's all like the whole, they kind of have this grasp that like a large chunk of the business is very superficial. So your wrestlers need to look big and tough and strong and your cage needs to look durable and tight and tough and Your pyro needs to not leave like piles of ash on the side of the cage <laughs> right um so like i think that's where where uh things are happening and like they understand that like music is very important 
uh, to help get wrestlers over that, like having a song that the crowd can instantly recognize as that's their guy coming down to the ring to get that huge pop. That's that's just something that like all of these WCW and then into Jim Crockett promotion shows are missing. They have great matches and lots of talent, but like it's just missing that polish. Yeah, I, I think we've talked about this before, but like the few times when I was, you know, a kid or a teenager and I would try to flip over and watch WCW just because, hey, I like wrestling. Here's some more wrestling that's on TV. I would never last very long. And it was the difference in the production values, you know, and the, the product I was used to was very shiny. And you can say it's it's sort of sanitized and kind of cartoony, which is true. But it also just it always looked good and it sounded good and um you know, the lights didn't go out mid-match usually. Um, when they had a cage match, it didn't look like it was put together from the Heckinger's uh, bargain basement bin. Um, and that, like you said, that kind of stuff matters. It, it keeps you from changing the channel, you know, and it, it lets you stick around to actually appreciate the wrestling because the wrestling here is top-notch. It's fucking amazing. Um, but it kind of looks like garbage. <laughs> right, like the the costumes on the people that had gimmicks, you know, just just didn't look good. You know, like the the costumes that the young the young pistols had, and that the the royal family had, like it's just missing missing that thing. You know, uh, it's it's just that 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 just like a little bit of like shine on the edges. You know, a little bit better uh, branding. So like you never saw like there's no set. So even WWF would have some sort of little tiny set, like an archway with branding on it. Like you could, if you turned into this show, if you didn't tune in at the beginning of it, you didn't know that this was WCW. They never say WCW really during the show. There's no like WCW on the ring. There's no WCW on the turnbuckles or there's no WCW on like the ramp where they come down. There's no WCW on the curtains. There's no like, like when there are promos, they're never going, well, I'm going to be the best one in WCW. I'm going to be the WCW world champion. Like there's no like merchandising, I, I guess, you know, there's no, yeah, there's no, that, that like polish that just like makes the product shine and look good on television. Cause this doesn't look good on television. <laughs> it doesn't look good at all. So yeah, it looks like it's happening from uh, Veterans Memorial Coliseum in the middle of uh, a state that's not particularly known for pro wrestling fans. Right, but I mean, we've watched the first Starcade, and like that was six or seven years before this, and it it doesn't. It looks the same. Like yeah. it all looks the same. There's actually probably a little bit. There's at least like NWA and Jim Crockett Promotions stuff slapped on it. You know, at least, but this, like, there's no WCW. There's no, there's no nothing, nothing. Yeah. So are you ready to talk superlatives for this one? Do you have a, a favorite match, a best match? Oh man, that's going to be tough. You know, there's a lot of good stuff. I think I would probably pick Bobby Eaton and uh, Brad Armstrong. I mean, the, the wrestling is the best in that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. If I'm going to go by wrestling, that's going to be the best match. If I'm going to go by entertainment value and like what, kept me like not looking away at all that's going to be the war games match like yeah. i didn't want to miss a single second of that damn thing because like 
people were bleeding. There was blood stains on a cage. Like <laughs> there's dudes getting dropped on their necks. There's like staying flying over the top rope of one ring and landing in the other ring. There's this crazy shit nonstop happening in that match. And you can't, you can't look away. It's a car wreck. Yeah. Well, and especially until everybody gets in there, like you said, there's a hot tag every two minutes, basically. Right. Um, so that's very exciting. And the, the crowd goes nuts. They lose their fucking minds. Um, no, it's, it's, it's a really good show all around. I, I would have a hard time picking a worst, worst match. Um, it's the only one I, maybe the Vader and, uh, Stan Hansen one, but I would say Dustin versus Buddy Landell was probably the worst match in my opinion. And that's, it's not saying it was a bad match. It was just not the best one on the card. It's, it's probably the, the weakest one. And the one that if I had to tell someone that like they had shortened time to watch this, that would be the one. Yeah. It is the sloppiest one, I think. And the, the botchiest maybe. Yeah. Um, so, but not no. Again, not terrible, not unwatchable, anything like that. And then uh, we always try to pick an oh shit moment, you know, a moment that really like popped you, really uh, made you sit up and go, oh god damn it. Um, so mine, I couldn't decide between Sid dropping Pillman on his head or Luger with that crazy roll up to small package thing that I had, I did not see coming at all. Those would probably be my top two. Yeah, I think uh, mine is going to be. Uh... Stan Hansen throwing the referee. <laughs> he just oh, he, so there's good. there's zero care about this being a match, and he just grabs the referee and just throws him out of the ring, like like battle royal style, out of the ring. Like get the fuck out of my face, ref. Poor Pee Wee. <laughs> Poor Pee Wee. Uh, yeah, so I think that's going to be my oh shit moment right there with Rick Steiner using the cage as a cheese grater on Rick Flair's <laughs> face. Like that's those two moments are very close to each other. And I think those are going to be my oh shit moments. You're going to make the highlight reel for sure. So, yeah, yeah. fantastic show all around. I, I, I'm glad we had a chance to watch it. Uh, it was fun to sort of watch this and then also watch the War Games match on uh, Survivor Series this weekend. The differences are mm, pretty, pretty <laughs> noticeable. I haven't uh, watched it, and I can imagine that it's nowhere close to this. It's yeah. nowhere like there's no I, there are no similarities except for the fact that there's a big cage and eight people yeah. in it. I will say that the men's one I thought actually had really good um, sort of build and um, dramatic storytelling throughout it. And there's a lot of stuff going on with the Usos and the Bloodline and Sami Zayn and his buddy Kevin Owens and. Um, they kind of keep you guessing and uh, there's, there's some good beats in that match. I'd say Did anyone um, bleed in that match. Nobody bled. Yeah, like there was a moment I got all excited. I thought one of the Usos was bleeding and I realized it's just his, um, the red uh, highlights on his hair hanging in front of his face. I'm like, nah, nah. lame. Yeah. So, anyway, I, I have to say the show overperformed for me. I, I, I was kind of dreading watching it. Cause I, I, I just glanced over the card. Like, yeah, the War Games match looks has all the talent in it, honestly, from what it looks like, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, well, there's these four Japanese women wrestlers that I've never heard of. Okay. Oh, great. Buddy Landell against like Dustin Rhodes, who's like <laughs> 10 in this match. Like, oh, great. Terry Taylor versus Tom Zank. Oh, boy. You know, like, oh, great. Lex Luger. Well, I like Stan. I like Dan Spivey, but, you know, like, so like there was. I had such low expectations coming into this thing. And like, it was so good. It made my expectations of what it was doing get better. Um, so yeah. 
I I would highly recommend uh, if you got like two and a half hours on a Sunday afternoon to sit down and got nothing else to watch. Wrestle War 91, man, that's a good choice. You can do a lot worse. All right, let's uh, let's wrap it up as we always do with our in memoriam section. We like to just take a moment to pay tribute to the men and women we've seen in each special who are no longer with us. So our in memoriam for Wrestle War '91 includes uh, Dusty Rhodes, Eddie Guerrero from a dark match which we didn't actually see on the special, but I want to mention him anyway. Uh, the Junkyard Dog, beautiful Bobby Eaton, Brad Armstrong, Nature Boy Buddy Landell, Tracy Smothers, Big Van Vader. Big Daddy Dink, a.k.a. Oliver Humperdink, uh, Butch Reed, El Gigante, Jorge Gonzalez, and Brian Pillman. So that's our show for Wrestle War 91. We appreciate you listening along with us. If you have a chance to check it out, send us your thoughts, your comments, your suggestions, your complaints, your recipes, uh, what to do with your turkey leftovers. You can send it to us on Twitter at WrestleMania Pod. You can find us on the web, of course, at allthewrestlemanias.com. Shoot us an email at allthewrestlemanias at gmail.com. You can find our Facebook and our Instagram accounts. Just search for all the WrestleManias on those platforms. We're out there trying to uh, put out some you know fun content for you every day um, so for now we appreciate you listening and we'll say so long so long